Welcome to the NFL Stock Exchange Podcast. In this episode, it is a mock draft Wednesday? Well, sort of. I wrote a mock draft for PFF.com earlier this week, and here on the show, Connor's going to take a look at that mock draft. We're going to tell you every single pick that was made, but then he is going to pick out five selections that he absolutely hated so much that he had to tell me on the show and that he has to change to something else. So we're going to change the mock draft up a little bit. You get to read a full mock, and we get some change in there as well. I'm Trevor Sycamore. With me, as always, is Connor Rogers. Let's ring the bell. Welcome to the opening bell of the NFL Stock Exchange Podcast. I'm Trevor Sikama. That is Connor Rogers. Joining you guys on a midweek episode of the show where we have a treat for you. There's no alliteration. It's not Mock Draft Monday, but it is Mock Draft Wednesday because today on the show, I recently wrote a Mock Draft over at PFF.com, my 2.0 version of the Mock, and Connor's going to rip the shreds. Connor's going to tell me why I am the biggest idiot in the world. No, okay, hopefully not that, but... He is going to take my mock draft. We're going to go through the whole thing, but he's going to give Connor. Do we have five? Do we have five. Five. Picks, five picks that he would change. So it's a little bit of a mock draft frenzy with a little bit of a twist, so that we can do it here in the middle of the week. Connor, how you doing, my friend? I'm good. I'm actually a little pissed at you. I woke up this morning to do this. The first thing I did when I got out of bed and poured some coffee. And I was like, damn, this mock draft's really good. I, like, I, I was like. I'm really pissed at Trevor right now because this is going to be harder than I thought it would be. I thought I'd fly through. I'd find five things that I'm like, I want to do this. I want to do that. And it took me a lot longer than I expected. And uh, I know you're going to you're going to read through them. So I'll save I'll save that. But I love the trade at the top. It was it's like we work together and talk about the draft twice a week, every single week. For Yeah, that was that was my goal when I sat down to write the mock Sunday <laughs> evening was how can I piss off Connor Rogers the most with what we're going to do in the middle it worked. of the week. No, but it's going to be it's going to be a good conversation. Obviously, like he said, we'll go through the whole mock. And so it's a little bit of a mock draft sort of a feel. So every team or every fan base of every team, we will talk about who I selected for your team, but we'll dive into specifically five and then maybe the picks kind of that are are surrounding to see how Connor's changes would impact the rest of the mock as it kind of would snowball from there. But dude, before we get into the mock, I I mentioned this to you right before the show and you agreed and I'm glad you did. We got to talk about the big news because there's not a lot of draft news that really happens during the season. But today, recording this on Wednesday, it was announced that the league is going to allow underclassmen to now participate in the NFL Draft All-Star Circuit. These are the events that have allowed players to really get a head start in the draft process. And it used to be just upperclassmen that were allowed to do that. Now we get juniors involved as well. And I think the statistic that Tom Pelissero put out there, maybe it was Ian Rappaport, there were 69 juniors who got drafted last year who were not eligible to participate in all-star events that actually are this year. So my first question to you is, what do you think about it? Man, it's number one. I, I don't know how you felt. I was floored. I didn't get any wind of this. Um, I talked to some people, you know, you know, in the industry that you think would know, and they were they're like, yeah, it was a pretty big surprise right. across the board. Yeah. I, I'm sure if this is this is obviously officially from the league i would think they'd give the all-star games some kind of heads up so i'm sure they were privy to the potential of this happening but it, there's a couple of things that go through my mind number 1 it's i would think great for the all-star games because no matter what it is going to increase the depth of talent that can participate in the all-star games and that goes across the board and I want to make sure I get this right because it's only this only impacts three all-star games. Yeah. This is from Tom Palacero. Um, he was saying that I know it's the senior bowl, it's the shrine game. And then the HBCU Legacy Bowl, I think is Ex- the is, is the third one. Yeah, it is. That exactly. is the, that's the third one. Yeah. So those are the three that it affects. So you when you think of things like the the Hula Bowl and stuff like that, they they won't be able to capitalize on this new ruling. But it'll increase the depth of talent. Number one. Number two, not overwhelmingly, because if you're an 
underclassmen declaring, there's a good chance that you are not going to feel like you need to utilize an all-star game Mm -hmm. to raise your draft stock, whether people agree or disagree with that. That's the reality of the business. So I think there will be some guys, some guys declare for different reasons too. Some guys declare because they get a first round grade back from the advisory board and they go on to the draft. Right. Some guys we've seen declare because they need to go make as much money as they can for their family. They, and the NIL has changed that a little bit over recent years for the better, but everybody has different reasons, right, Trevor? So that was number two. Mm. Uh, Number three for me, I think would be, and this is the only little bad side. I'm a little concerned for some of the seniors, what these events do for guys that it might not be able to do for them with a bigger player pool. And I get that's the nature of the business. That's the nature of life is competition. But one of my personal favorite things about going to Mobile every year or whatever all-star game you go to is, hey, there's this guy from, think of it like this, Tyson Bajan, man. Yeah, 100%. D2 quarterback, he goes to Mobile, he makes the Bears as an undrafted free agent, he ends up being the starter for the Bears after Justin Fields gets hurt. Like, I'm not saying it's going to nuke all of those storylines, that's not what I'm saying. But it, it might have an impact on some of them. Yeah. So that was the one side where I was like, this is the only thing I don't personally love about it. Yeah. I mean, like Tariq Woolen's another name that comes to my mind, it's right? Great call. Woolen was at UTSA. Uh, he ended up being a fifth round pick. And that was after he kind of showed some stuff at the Senior Bowl that I'm sure helped his draft stock as well. So, yeah, I, I think. My mind immediately when I heard this news is like, wow, this is great. Like this is going to increase the notoriety or the must watch factor, I think, of all of these events. And to me, that's where this is rooted in. We've seen a push from the league over the last couple of years to really monetize a lot of these all-star events. Like they want them to be pillars of television. Like I know NFL Network and the league in general wants the league to be a 365 24-7 thing allowing juniors to go to these all-star events just brings more headlines to the games and i think that that's really good for the legacy bowl the shrine bowl the senior bowl like that's great for that i think this will help the revenue of these games and uh, the people who run them and put them on i think that this is a a big positive for them but i do agree with you i think that there's you know, I almost used the word unfortunately, and it is kind of unfortunate, but I don't know if that's exactly the right word that I want to use. There's just going to be upperclassmen who in years prior would have been invited to this game that are not. Because Simple as that. when you are running these all-star events, you want to get the biggest names at the games. You want people to come. You want people to watch the – you want people to pay attention to the practice clips. You want people to watch it when it's on TV, when the actual game comes on. And the way that you do that is by getting the underclassmen who are projected first-round picks, who are those household names of the draft class, to come to the events. And they're going to take up the space that Tyson Bajan really is like a perfect example. We, we, Bajan was from Shepard. It, like he he's not getting invited to the game if there's juniors that are eligible and then want to go because it's not I know a lot of people out there and you brought up a good point because for some juniors it's not going to be that enticing because some juniors might say well, why do I need to put more reps out there like the tape's good enough I don't need to go to this yeah event. the league told me to leave early yeah already. And, and some p and, and some will think that but the senior bowl the shrine bowl the legacy bowl is more than just the practice footage. It's also you get to start having connections with these teams, with these scouts, getting FaceTime with general managers and coaches and things like that. And so those players, even if they don't really care about the practice or the game side of it, might take up a roster spot just for that aspect. So again, it is something that is very exciting. You know, when you and I get to do boots on the ground at these events, the coverage that we're going to be able to give the people who listen to this show and follow us on social media. It's going to be great because it's going to be some of the biggest names in the draft class, even beyond the seniors. But I, I can't help but think about some of those really under the radar gems that go to events like this, that maybe don't get that opportunity. Yeah. I think of the shrine bowl as an example that just popped in my head. Keith Clark, 
who I ended up loving because how he played at the Shrine Bowl last year. Does a guy like that get an invite under these new circumstances? Maybe not. So just I'm excited for it. I don't mean to be like a Debbie Downer. It's going to be an incredible thing for all of these events, but that is kind of the give and take of of where my mind went when this news dropped. For sure. I mean, listen, we're we're going to give our honest take. And like most things, most changes, there are good and bad things of it. And I think the All-Star Games, rightfully so, should be looking out for themselves in a way of putting on the best showcase. And that is going to include getting the best talent. There is the draft analyst side of us that, and I know you feel the same way, Trevor. I've worked with you long enough to know this. One of the most rewarding things of this job is finding a player that is not really being viewed as a draftable player. And you go, man, I, I actually would take him in the fifth round. I see something there and he goes in the seventh or goes undrafted and makes it like it's, it's the best. It's the most rewarding. It's way more rewarding than man. I, I, Jamar chase was my wide receiver one. Yeah. Right. That's not what we're in this for. It's, it's a part of it and it's what pays the bills. But yeah, I think, I just don't want to lose that part of the draft. Yeah, and like you said, there are some other all-star events that maybe the fact that those big three, the Shrine, the Senior Bowl, and the Legacy Bowl, maybe the fact that they aren't getting some of these seniors that might hit in the draft and hit in the league, maybe it brings more notoriety to these other all-star events. And maybe it just expands everything, and it's like a rising tide lifts all ships. And I hope that that is the case. would love for it to be the case There's no doubt about it, though. When January comes around and we got underclassmen, notable underclassmen that are in these events, it's only going to increase what people want to know about it, the eyeballs on the practice footage, the game, all that good stuff. So that part I am very, very excited about. But let's get to the the mock draft. Let's let's review this mock draft that we have here. For the people that are listening audio only, I'm going to read off my entire mock right now. This is over on pff.com. You can read it. It's, I think it's pretty high up there on the main page. that You could still view it. Um, and so we'll go over it at least to start. Maybe we'll recap it again at the end, but maybe we won't need to do that. At number one, Connor, you mentioned it, hinted at it. I had to trade at number one because right now in the draft order, in the current draft order, I have the Arizona Cardinals or the, the, the league because of the record has the Arizona Cardinals selecting number one overall. I'm not of the mindset that they really need to go in on a quarterback. And if that's not the case, it'd be disingenuous for me to even give them a prospect as great as Marvin Harrison Jr. at number one overall, knowing what they would be leaving on the table, which is probably three first-round picks. So I did have them making a trade. I had the New York Giants jumping up from number four to number one to go get Caleb Williams. Number two and number three for the Chicago Bears, they then go Drake May and Marvin Harrison Jr. there back-to-back. The Cardinals now picking at number four after the trade. They went offensive tackle Olufashanu. Patriots at five went Joe Alt, the offensive tackle from Notre Dame. Rams at six, quarterback Bo Nix from Oregon. Packers at seven, offensive tackle Talise Fuaga from Oregon State. There we go. I think I stole that idea from you, actually, when I was doing that mock, because uh, I liked it so much last time we talked about See it. See what I mean? You I was know, like, I, you know I, knew you, I knew you weren't going to go after that one. I, I was on a fraud watch. If I changed the picks that I previously liked, I'm a fraud. <laughs> no, <laughs> like I was walking on landmines. I'll, <laughs> I'll be the first one to old takes exposure, ass. <laughs> you, you, uh, you really could be like, you know what? You can change that pick because I got it from you. <laughs> well, that's very interesting, Connor. And then I just like have Ryan put up the clip from two weeks yeah. ago when Roll you said something tape. else. Yeah. <laughs> Number great. eight for the Buccaneers. I don't have them going quarterback. I have them going edge rusher, Lyotu Latu. Number nine, the Denver Broncos, wide receiver Malik Neighbors from LSU. Titans at 10, offensive attack with J.C. Latham from Alabama. Chargers at 11, tight end Brock Bowers from Georgia. Falcons at 12, Michael Penix, uh, the quarterback from Washington. Uh, speaking of Washington, the Washington Commanders at 13. Edge rusher Chop Robinson for Penn State. Raiders, they win the Jerzon Newton sweepstakes. The interior defensive lineman from Illinois at number 14. Colts at 15, wide receiver Romo Dunze from Washington. Cardinals again, second time in this mock draft. Um, this is their pick from the Houston Texans. They get Kool-Aid McKintree, the corner from Alabama, so they've got old Fashano and Kool-Aid McKintree as their one and two. Buffalo Bills, wide receiver Keon Coleman from Florida State. Jets, offensive tackle Marius Mims from Georgia. Saints at 19, edge rusher Dallas Turner from Alabama. Vikings at 20, cornerback Nate Wiggins from Clemson. 
21 Dallas Cowboys edge rusher Jared Verse from Florida State. 22 Pittsburgh Steelers cornerback Cooper DeGene from Iowa. Texans via the Cleveland Browns. This is Cleveland's pick that they have. Wide receiver Xavier Leggett from South Carolina. Bengals offensive lineman uh, Graham Barton from Duke. Seattle Seahawks interior offensive lineman Troy Fountain from Washington. At 25, 26, San Francisco 49ers quarterback J.J. McCarthy from Michigan. 27, the Dolphins went offensive tackle Patrick Paul from Houston. 28, Jaguars. Safety Cameron Kitchens from Miami. 29, the Detroit Lions cornerback Kalen King from Penn State. Ravens, 30, wide receiver A.D. Mitchell from Texas. Kansas City Chiefs at 31, going wide receiver Jalen Polk from Washington. 32, Philadelphia Eagles wide receiver Mecca Buka from Ohio State. And then just because I love you guys so much, 34 in the second round, Carolina Panthers, wide receiver Xavier Worthy from Texas, and the Cleveland Browns at 54, wide receiver Brian Thomas Jr. from LSU. Connor, where are we going first? What do you want to talk about? Which picks would you change? Let's go with number six, the Los Angeles Rams taking Bo Nix, quarterback out of Oregon. All right, how dare you? I like, (laughs) I like where your head is at, thinking quarterback of the future for the Rams. Okay. Matthew Stafford's body is beginning to fail him. It's probably time. Same, brother. Same. Yeah, aren't we? All of us in our 30s feel your I went pain. To, I went to lower back pre- physical therapy a week ago, oh, so I feel you. You and Stafford, one and one. <laughs> I went with Michael Penix, and I know this is the least surprising portion of the show. I'm sorry, everyone. I, I just find Penix's arm talent playing for Sean McVay tantalizing, and I agree with your assessment that when you look at Knicks being that you know, efficient point guard, right? And definitely a dual threat, but that efficient point guard into an offense that we know how I never want to say easy. I feel like that's disrespectful to an NFL quarterback, but how well tailored Sean McVay can make a passing offense for a quarterback and the, the preparation that he comes into the game with the adjustments on the fly that Mm -hmm. he can make combined with the duo of Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua. Yeah. And I like I like that you mentioned Tutu Atwell in this because Tutu Atwell has had a nice season for them. Like they have a good receiving group, you know, a good receiving group. And they're they're going to figure out that offensive line. Steve Avila was a great ad for that group. I look at Penix and go, man, he sees things so well pre-snap. He can hit every level of the field with velocity. And I think McVeigh would understand how to really get him comfortable where he would tear the opposition apart throwing to these guys. I just think there's with Bo, it feels like there's a floor there. But if McVeigh wants to win a Super Bowl again, I go with the ceiling mm. of what Penix can do. See, I, I figured that this was probably going to be one of them because it's 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 a natural sticking point within this podcast. Right. You got Penix at QB3, right? You, you've got him as, as QB3 in this class. And I got Bo Nix as QB3 yeah. in this class. So for the third quarterback coming off the board, I stayed true to my board. I figured that you would do the same for yours. The thing that I like the most about Bo Nix is not only how well I think he plays in rhythm when it comes to the timing of offenses but and i think that you see you've seen that over the last couple of years when people talk about him as like oh he just you know dumps the ball off he's a screen merchant all that kinds of stuff one i think that's over exaggerating what he does two what they are envisioning is actually just a really efficient quarterback like that's what they're that's what they're talking about and they're just trying to make a negative about it i also like the dual threat ability and sean mcveigh hasn't really had that before right i mean when he had a ton of success with jared goff i mean jared goff ain't giving you a ton of athletic ability matthew stafford he's not giving you a ton of dual threat ability so bo nix it's almost like maybe it's selfishly i want to see what mcveigh would be able to do with a quarterback who can give you a lot of the threat with his legs. And so I, I see him as a, as a good passer, but I also see him as that dual threat player where Michael Penix is, is more of a pocket passer than Bo Nix would be. And there's no doubt about it. Penix would also be fun. I think in this system, but I, I like Nix for it more because of that dual threat ability. It's always interesting to see what a established play caller can do with that added element. I think that's why we were all so excited about the idea of Trey Lance under Kyle Shanahan. Because, right. Right. I mean, yes, we saw what Kyle did with RG three, but that just felt like it was, it came and went so fast, unfortunately, because of injury 
that with the idea of of Lance's added element as a runner in that offense was so intriguing. So it is one of those fun things to think about. I'm fascinated by the Rams because when you look at this quarterback class, like whoever goes to McVeigh is a guy that you just instantly feel better about. Of course, right? of course. I, I have I have a I have a question of your question on top of the question. Back to you. Are we gonna are we gonna revisit Penix again with his spot at number 12 or not? Because if we are, then I'll say- We are not. We are going to jump all the way to 13 next. So if there's anything in between there you want to talk about. Well, I just wanted to ask you, I know that Penix is your QB three. So in this scenario, the third quarterback on the board, off the board, which was to the Rams, okay, you're going to make that switch and you're going to put Penix up there because you're going to say, hey, if they're going to take a quarterback. But in a vacuum, would you rather have Michael Penix on the Rams or would you rather have them on the Falcons regardless of where they're being picked in this mock draft? Cause I had Penix going number 12 to the Atlanta Falcons. So which one would you rather see right now? Him on the Rams. The Rams. Or the okay. So the, the Rams. Rams trust McVay. Uh, he, he can't go to that war criminal, Arthur Smith, that fantasy <laughs> war criminal. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just, but I mean, in all seriousness, <laughs> somebody, hold on. Somebody tweeted at, a, at uh, I think it might have just been me. I can't remember if you tagged both of us in it. But it was in response to Arthur Smith saying that B. John Robinson's doing a lot of great things off the ball. And somebody responded to me and said, off ball running back. <laughs> so ridiculous. It's <laughs> the position that has to touch the ball. <laughs> Oh, he's 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 incredible. They're going to draft Marvin Harrison Jr. at somehow and give him two targets a game. I think he's the NFL's the NFL fans best villain we've had in a long time. I really do, because he's not a bad coach. I don't think he's a good one, but he's not a bad coach. He's not bad enough that you could just shred him and be like, they got to move on after this year. Like, he's not that bad. But the, the, his press conference is number one. He, the man hates fantasy football oh, more than anyone my I've ever. Like yes. he just he he doesn't even like the reporters don't even get the questions out before he's like, I know people are pissed about their fantasy teams and their parlays, but fuck you. And it's like, dude, <laughs> take it easy. They just want to know why you're not giving the eighth overall pick the ball. That's all it, we want to know. It is wild, man. And and like to your point. I don't even if I, I don't even know if I would say I, I I feel like I can't say he's he's not not a good coach right like because we've seen the Falcons win all sorts of games that like maybe sure. they shouldn't these big comebacks and these second half adjustments and it's well, like nothing at quarterback I, I mean God, so many of the other stuff which is self inflicted by him I mean he, when you think he about really it. is though to your point he's like uniting NFL fans everywhere to, to not like him. Dude, he's forty percent of our content on Fantasy Football Happy Hour. We're on we're on six days a week, and Arthur Smith comes up almost every show because he has to. Yeah, he's so relevant. Yeah, to it's, what you guys are doing, that's for sure. So yeah, I I, I would hope Panix goes to the Rams instead. Okay. As much as the Falcons have a lot of talent, I don't think Arthur Smith is a bad football coach. He's just a puzzling one quite often. Right. Um. I, I get if there's worse places to go than the Falcons. I want to make that very abundant. Right. Clear. No. You're right. Yeah. 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 Anyways, <laughs> would you would you rather him go to the Falcons or just to hell? <laughs> straight to the XFL. <laughs> ah. Just you know what? The- <laughs> Vipers are looking pretty good this year. Oh, All right. Man. What's your next one? Let's get. Let's move on. <laughs> 13 the washington commanders all right i actually i mean i love chop robinson i had no this is why i was pissed i had no problem with this pick at all especially a team that just traded montez sweat and chase young now here's my counter though if i could Mm -hmm. you know play a little uh, devil's advocate here you're here for i changed it to amarius mims the hulking tackle from georgia okay the commanders have a fascinating decision ahead of them for a variety of reasons. I, it doesn't feel great about, I don't feel great about Ron Rivera's long-term there. You shouldn't. Right. I don't think anyone should. Yeah, you shouldn't. I don't know what that means for Eric Bieniemy because I don't really think Bieniemy's been a problem considering the ingredients he's working with. I agree. 
So I, that'll be a fascinating situation to watch. What I do know is they're going to have to make a decision on Sam Howell. And what that decision comes down to could ultimately be how many games they win or don't win. And in this situation at 13, well, a lot of quarterbacks are gone. Caleb Williams is gone. Drake May is gone. Bo Nix is gone. Michael Penix is gone. Mm-hmm. I bet when we get to the draft, like very easily, J.J. McCarthy will be discussed in this range. Yeah. Not that I'm there personally, like right. hand up. I'm not there, so I'm not changing it to that. My point is, if the commanders play themselves out of quarterback range in this quarterback frenzy of a draft, and they do roll one more year with Howlett, this guy's made really big plays. He's also taken a million sacks and made really dumb plays. Let's see if a young quarterback can continue to develop with our very talented wide receiver core and get him some help on the offensive line because he holds the ball forever. So if they commit to Howell for one more year, slash, this has to be both things, committing to Howell, but also realizing that they can't capitalize on this quarterback class and they're going to have to kick that can down the road if Howell doesn't work. Mm. Why don't you get an anchor, a foundational piece on the offensive line in a really good offensive tackle class yeah. um, in Amarius Mims? Yeah, I, so I don't hate it. I mean, th- these are the two big positions of need for the commanders. And if you argue for me, if you argue to me that I'm going to make a pick between edge rush and offensive tackle, I'll be like, okay, I'm not going to fight you that hard on it because it – 13 to me has to be a trench pick no matter what at this point, but I'm okay with it being either or when you look at the commanders right now, especially with the trade that they just gave up moving on from Montez sweat, getting the early second round pick from Chicago and then getting the comp pick for chase young. They pick in the first round and then they pick twice in the second round and then they pick twice in the third round. So you've got a lot of ammo to play with here. You've just got to establish the trenches with at least the first pick. You're probably double dipping, to be honest with you, within those first five picks. But if you wanted to lean offensive line, I'm not going to push too far back on you because edge rusher is decently deep. But I do think that the argument is still there for taking the best non-Liatu-Latu edge rusher at number 12 or number 13 can't remember exactly where they picked 13 i think so if they're i i would still take the edge rusher there knowing that jared verse dallas turner chop robinson um maybe even like braylon trice like all those guys might be gone by the time that you even get to pick at 37 at the top of the at the of the second round whereas I could see Jordan Morgan or Patrick Paul or one of those guys being available at the beginning of the second round. So I would still lean hitting edge rusher where I had it. Um, But I'm curious, do you like, do you think that Morgan and Paul could both be first round picks? Because if you take those two guys off the board, then all of a sudden offensive tackle gets a little bit shaky. So do you think that offensive tackle is going to go a little bit faster than edge rusher might? At this point in time, obviously, like everything is subject to change, but how you look at class right now? I do because every time I do this exercise, I get to the back end of round one and I'm like, damn, all the you run it wanna be contenders need a tackle. Mm, yeah. Like all the wanna and you, you to be fair, you address that in a lot of this mock draft. And I don't want to give away another direction I'm going later on, but I mean, you did it for the Jets at 18. With Amarius Mims, I know you do it with the Dolphins later on, like the Seahawks, you got them fought now. Um, so, and I will say this, the more and more I, I keep up with this defensive line class, the edge class, like I like Brandon Doorless a lot. Like I find Hell players yeah, that- baby. Hell I'm yeah, like, baby. I'm like- Been top ooh. 60 on the PFF board since this summer. Let's go. Yeah, I, I always talk myself into combinations and I look at the commanders and I'm like, OK, Chop Robinson and maybe the next tier tackle it, you know, later in the first round, mm-hmm. um, which is it's really nice to have that Bears pick. Yeah. Or can I walk out of this with the Marius Mims and a doorless? I'm not saying what side I definitely want, but I'm at least intrigued. Yeah. Which or, is like fun. A, or like a JT Tui Maloow, right? I mean, like, even if you don't think he's a first round pick, he's a really smart, powerful defensive end he's a starter not a flashy one but he's a starter 
So yeah, I, I'm I, I'm curious to hear what people think about Washington's potential. Where would you go in the first round? Would you go offensive tackle first, or would you go edge rusher first? Which kind of like combination do you like the most? And that's that's one that I hope uh, people kind of dive into because I would love to hear some responses by uh, on that. Uh, hey everybody, before we get to Connor's next pick that he's going to change, want to remind you guys that this time of year it's all about setting up the lists, the routines, the checklist things that you got to do to make sure you got that you got squared away. The most important task on that list, no question about it, should always be securing your family's financial future, starting with life insurance. Fabric by Gerber Life makes it quick, easy, and affordable to protect your family so you can get back to enjoying life. Fabric was designed by parents for parents to get you high-quality, surprisingly affordable term life insurance in less than 10 minutes. They got flexible policies that fit your family's budget with quality policies like million-dollar coverage for less than a dollar a day. You can get your personalized quote in just minutes, and then apply when it is convenient for you, all online and to your schedule. You can go from start to covered in less than 10 minutes with no health exam required. You can join the thousands of parents who trust Fabric to protect their family. Apply today in just minutes at meetfabric.com slash stock exchange. That is meetfabric.com slash stock exchange. M-E-E-T fabric.com slash stock exchange. M-E-A-T fabric.com is something completely different don't type that in i don't know i don't know, I don't know where you're gonna i thought that thought crossed my mind a few times <laughs> yeah, these shows, but i never jumped in because i didn't want to disrespect the advertiser but i'm glad you said it because i, I think every time i'm like i i, I don't know I, I don't know i don't know where meat fa- i don't know where m-e-a-t fabric goes but i can tell you the m-e-e-t those are briefs boxer com. briefs oh, that's okay. my the meat fabric i wear <laughs> Uh, you can tell we're recording. The- <laughs> you can tell we're recording the show really way later than we usually do. I can guarantee you that Meat Fabric M E E T Fabric dot com slash doggy change is the better place than the place that you actually want to go. Policies issued by Western Southern Life Insurance Company, not available in certain states. Prices subject to underwriting and health questions. All right. <laughs> forgot you were in the middle of the read still (laughs) oh no where are we going next we're not very far number 16 the arizona cardinals uh you had them take kool-aid mckinstry cornerback from alabama they definitely need a corner and he's somebody that you and i feel pretty confident is going to step in and be able to be a starter right away which that says a lot about you as a cornerback prospect and i took this kind of the flip side I, I moved you out of an edge on the last pick and i'm going to move you into an edge rusher on this pick oh. i i almost wonder and maybe you're the wrong person to ask this because it's not like you had him slide insanely far but is the pendulum swung now too far back the other way with jared verse yeah i like, think about that I, I i i lay it i lay awake at night and think about that i do too it's actually kept me up lately i yeah. mean we we've often said that w- you know, we feel pretty good. He was going to be a top 10 pick if he declared last year. I know one team in the top 10 that was going to take him. Um, and then he had a quieter start to this year. But besides that, and this interestingly enough, this is something that Renner and I talked about on, on his show very recently. When you really like go through all the tape now, you look at it and you're like, he didn't really change as a player. He's still really good, heavy hands. Mm-hmm. It's just this edge class exploded yeah lots to chop um you know all the other guys we talk about and verse has also been pretty nasty the last month where you're reminded like ah yeah jared verse is still that dude so for arizona the reason i i had them go with verse in this spot is i wonder if they can really build up this front with a ton of pass rush talent and try to bargain shop a little on the back end for now mm-hmm. because if With that corner, pass rush you're is, saying yeah okay because if that pass rush is lethal and getting home it can help out some of the bargain corners that they try and when i say bargain corner like arizona could still take a corner on day two that's there's a million corners starting in this league that were drafted on day two and beyond but i've just become such a believer build up the pass rush and then figure out the back end if you're a bad team and I think Arizona right now is a bad defense. Um, and and I think Verse is a bit of a game changer on the edge. Yeah, look, and Verse is still very much a first rounder for me. I think I had him slide into 21 to the Cowboys, but like... Which is, which is harsh to me, for the uh, NFC East. Right, yeah, it is. That is, yeah, Verse and Micah Parsons and then the rest <laughs> of that entire defensive line is... Uh, it's 
terrifying, honestly. Maybe that's why I ended up doing it, just because I uh, I wanted to see it. I wanted to bring the nightmare to life for everybody else who had to go up against that defensive line. But it does make sense. I I, I wrote a Cardinals five round mock draft um, later this week after I did the the full first round mock. What an animal! Yeah, no, it's that season, brother. It's November. The guy's cranking out team mocks oh, into the fifth round. Oh, speaking of, we have a plan to start doing that here on this very channel. I'm going to start you know, cranking like out it. some shorter videos that are like team-centric mock drafts. So um, be on the lookout for those. I think we're going to start those pretty soon, and I'm going to try to put them out pretty regularly. So I don't think it's going to be five rounds each time, but I think it's going to be like three rounds so we can get into – you know, kind of like some draft strategies for teams as we go on here. So be on the lookout for that. Oh, um, I like it a lot. Look, I think I think that Verse is a fantastic prospect. And, you know, when when you pull up all of these numbers, yes, Laatu Latu's production is insane, right? I mean, like he actually, Bradley Trice has more pressures. He has 51, but he also has, um, I think, over 100 extra pass rush reps yeah he does Dude, than, it, than latu does the braylon trice experience is unbelievable it's just it is just the coach just tells braylon trice i want you to put your body on the line every snap it's second and nine put the body on the line yep. and he says okay i'm doing it i'm going basically to the you got a coach as much as i possibly can but uh i'll read off some of the pass rush win percentages latu's pass rush win percentage is 24 percent. it's insane He's by far the most effective of any of these guys. Number two of the big five edge rushers, I would call them, is Jared Verse at 18.6%. You got Dallas Turner right behind him at 18.3%. Uh, then it's Chop Robinson, 17.7%. Then Braylon Trice is next with uh, 174 Actually, very close is Chris Braswell as well from Alabama, 167 He's had a nice year, Braswell. Just going to throw that out there. So all that to say, like, it, it it's hard for me to really fight back on you when you say, "Hey, let me put a player like Jared Verse to a team that really needs defensive line help." Because you know I still like him a ton, and it makes a lot of sense. Um, I do love the idea of man. If 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 you put Kool Aid McKinstry on the Arizona Cardinals, then all of a sudden they have Kool Aid McKinstry, Garrett Williams, who we both liked a lot when he is fully healthy. And then they drafted Keetro Clark, who I really liked as a nickel at the NFL level. And if that's the case, then you could push him inside and he could play nickel. So still love the idea of Kool-Aid being in that, being um, put in that secondary, but it is hard for me to argue Jared Verse going to a team that needs an edge rusher. Okay, next one. We'll go all the way down to number 27, the Miami Dolphins. Ooh. This was I was I loved that you kind of segued to this combo without even knowing this was a big part of the show. You had them taking Patrick Paul, the offensive tackle from Houston. I have no problem with Patrick Paul going in this range. I have no problem with the Dolphins taking a tackle. But I wanted to kind of pull back the curtain on a different point of view. If they want to okay, so I look at it like this with Paul, right? We talk about his Godzilla length and mm. he's a hard guy to get around. You've talked about on the show, Trevor, the things he's cleaned up going in, you know, into this year. And I think he's a pretty good pass protector. I don't think he's taken the next step as a run blocker yet, considering all those gifts he has. So I had the Dolphins take Jordan Morgan here, the offensive okay. tackle from Arizona, which this is a totally like, yes, this is them taking a different tackle or taking an offensive tackle again. But God, could they be any more different? Him and Jordan Morgan. Morgan is compact. <laughs> right. He's got shorter arms. Right. I'm sure he's going to get poked at as like a guy that maybe has to kick inside. I think he's a tackle because I love his feet, mm -hmm. and I think he's got he's got really good lower half athleticism. I think Morgan is a significantly better run blocker, and he's a very impressive athlete when asked to move as a run blocker, mm -hmm. not just because of how explosive he is, but how in control he is. And I think for a guy like Patrick Paul, who's a skyscraper, it's a little harder to get that strike zone on the move all the time. Uh, this is actually something I saw with Paris Johnson that he had to work on throughout his career as a tackle as an offensive lineman. So I look at Miami's offense and how potent they are running the ball, especially with outside zone mm -hmm. and all the unique things they do. And I just love Morgan's scheme fit in Mike McDaniel's offense. No, I, I so sticking with offensive tackle, it makes I wondered if you were going to switch positions there because I think offensive tackle is 
or just offensive line in general, clearly a big need for Miami. I know they got a lot of guys hurt, but I, as they can tell you right now, you can never have too many good offensive linemen. I wonder if Patrick Paul is going to have a higher weight adjusted athletic score. And I wonder if they're going to take that into account. Like, I wonder if they're just going to say, give me the big athlete, even though Jordan Morgan might have better raw testing numbers is the size of Patrick Paul. If they're like somewhat similar, are they going to go, well, Patrick Paul's doing this at, you know, this height and this weight, whatever it is. So I wonder if that's going to be something that kind of goes, because I, I just keep gravitating towards Patrick Paul being somebody that they are very interested in. And not that Morgan wouldn't fit. I just feel as though if if Paul tests decently well athletically, they're going to look at the overall size and they're going to say, you know, weight adjusted, size adjusted. I They'd probably rather go with a guy like Patrick Paul. I think the league will like Paul better because... Than Morgan? I do because... The injury doesn't the, help for Morgan. The injury doesn't help for Morgan, who I, I am very high on Morgan. Yeah. Um, the league is still a big stickler on offensive line thresholds. It's like definitely when you think of things the league's gravitated from or advanced from that are old school metrics. I mean, we have quarterbacks that are under six feet tall going in the first round. Like that would it's crazy to think about that happening. Offensive line is one where I, I hear the pushback all the time. Arm yeah, length, right? The whole thing, you know. Well, so. I mean, for the fact that Skaronski didn't even get a chance to start at offensive tackle, it's kind of crazy to me because I feel like you'd be the best offensive tackle on that team right now. And I think so too. I, I think you know you could be a testament to. We bring this up all the time, like what Elijah Vera Tucker has been. Like, man, case the, in point. Yeah, it's like, how did you not let him start there and fail there, and then we kick you inside? We we use that phrase all the damn time i said it till i was blue in the face last year about peter scronzi i'd let him fail a tackle before i move him inside i'd let him fail a tackle i'd let him fail a tackle especially on a team like the titans that need offensive tackle i know so to me that i i think that that's your your spot on there the league just is not very susceptible to smaller offensive linemen and that's why and that's honestly like that's why I wonder if Troy Fountainow is going to be a center. If they're going to move him all the way from left tackle to center. Because he looks like he has got really short arm length. And he's just built kind of like a fire hydrant, right? We've, we used that term before as well. When you were just a thick, stocky offensive lineman, you're just not long-limbed. You don't have those long arms. And everything that he does could be brilliant for center. And I don't even know if teams are going to want him to play ta- uh, offensive guard because he might not have the height. Like, he might not have the height and the length as well, so. And he's going to be phenomenal either way. But yeah, I think that that one's a, an interesting one. Um, before we get to your last one, got to remind the good people that this podcast is brought to you by our friends over at Prize Picks. So we got Thursday Night Football coming up. Connor, you got the Prize Picks lineup in front of you. If you guys are new here, what Prize Picks does is you pick two to six entries, you bundle it all together, you say more or less than their current projections, and if you hit them, you can win up to 25 times your money. So what do we like this week for Thursday Night Football? The Titanic matchup, by the way, of Chicago Bears versus Carolina Panthers. Man, are, are we going to... You got to give me some real sicko shit here. I, yeah, this is I, that's what we're going to look at here. I think we're going to look at Tyson Bajan, just in the spirit of how the podcast opened. Okay, sure. It's looking like Fields... In a bizarro press conference where Iberflus said he was doubtful, and then like two minutes later, he's like, Yeah, he's not playing. It's like, Okay, we got there eventually. Okay. Tyson Bajant, his passing yards is set at 188 and a half. Brian Burns is not going to play in this game for Carolina, yep. which is a big deal. Yeah. Dare I say more for Tyson Bajant? Can he get DJ Moore to take a screen 75 yards? He's getting more with DJ Moore, I think. I, I think we're going more here. And let's be fair to Bayesian. Last two games, 220 and 232. Look, in the spirit of how we open the podcast, we owe it to the man. We to go more. Tyson Bayesian, more than 188. Lock it in. Lock it All the right. hell in. It's, it's locked and loaded. Okay. Let's look at some more sicko things. What about punter average? No. <laughs> we could fire up kicking points. <laughs> 
You want Eddie Pinheiro? You want Cairo Santos? Ooh, Gator great Eddie Pinheiro. Pinheiro? What's, what's the field goals at for, for Pinheiro? All right, field goals made. Oh, my God, Ooh. I just thought of this. If Bryce Young loses to Tyson Bajant, the discourse. This town of Charlotte, North Carolina is going to burn to the ground. Yeah, well, I'm he's an underdog by about three and a half points. So oh, my God. Fear from it, run from it. If he gets, if he, oh man, if Tyson Bajan outplays Bryce. You know what I like as a confidence booster for, for Bryce here? I kind of like Adam Thielen more than six and a half receptions. I mean, if Adam Thielen doesn't have more than six and a half receptions, they're not winning the game. So, and if they're losing the game, Adam Thielen needs to have the ball thrown <laughs> his way. It can't lose. <laughs> All right. I like this one. I like this one. So Tyson I love that we're, we're chasing yards. offense on a ugly Thursday night football. Oh, matchup. no, we're lighting it up, baby. We're, we are very foolish. All right. One I more. think this is this is about as sweaty as it can get. OK, either side you pick. All right. Bryce Young rushing yards is at nine and a half. You're sweating the whole game either side. <laughs> <laughs> Do we go under? Yeah, let's go under. Okay, we go less. Less rushing, than nine and a half rushing yards for Bryce. All right, so <laughs> the official NS- NFLSE sicko prize picks lineup for Thursday Night Football is Tyson Bajan more on his passing yards. Um, Adam Thielen more on his receptions. And then Bryce Young less on his rushing yards. There we go. That's our official lineup. Um, want you guys to know with, with basketball season also in full swing, you can now combo projections across football, basketball in these special leagues. A league that was created specifically for combo picks that include two or more players from different sports. For example, LeBron James plus Travis Kelsey at 10 and a half combo of three pointers made and receptions. So it's really creative stuff like that. Makes it a ton of fun. Price picks also has a reboot policy so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured for football and basketball. If the player gets hurt in the first half, doesn't come for the second half, um, then the player is rebooted. PrizePix is the only daily fantasy sports platform with an injury insurance policy. Go to prizepix.com backslash NFLSE. Use the promo code NFLSE for $100 deposit match. Again, it's prizepix.com, NFLSE. Using the promo code NFLSE for a first deposit match up to 100 cold ones. Not beers, by the way just cold hard, coins cold hard cash yeah <laughs> cold hard dollar coins. Coins. last pick if you cash out with price picks they just send you a jar arcade of- tokens <laughs> it's like what is this heavy amazon box oh it's All my right. prize picks winning <laughs> yeah what's from, the last from my bryce young less rushing yards tyson bayesian adam thielen more we're rich baby you oh, can tell man. these eight percent interest rates to suck it. We're up. Al, Mi- Al Michaels is puking somewhere. <laughs> He's like, "This is." Uh, I have to call this. Yeah. Well, all right. What do we got? Here? I called the 1980 miracle game, and you're having me call Bears Panthers on Thursday night. Listen, brother. What a legend! If Bryce Young right. wins, that's the miracle 2.0 at this point. So I know. So we go all the way to the final pick of the first round, pick 32, the Philadelphia Eagles. You had them take a Mecca Ibuka, the wide receiver out of Ohio State. What are you changing and here? This one's brilliant. I like a Mecca Ibuka. I want, and I, I agree that he could be a killer slot for them. Uh-huh. It's just, I look at this offense, and I wonder with Brown, Smith, and Dallas Goddard, who's now hurt, but would there be enough targets to warrant a first-round pick here for Ibuka? They'd have to probably change who they are, I think, as an offense. And I don't know if they'll want to do that yet because it it works. Like, Brett, you got to throw to A.J. Brown or you'll hear it from him. <laughs> They're having trouble keeping Smith involved this year, which is very frustrating. And Goddard, before he got hurt, he had a slow start to the year, but he's been on fire with his involvement. So I went with something that I do see as a current issue for them in cornerback and I had them take more of an athlete at the position than a finished product, but that's Denzel Burke from Ohio state. Okay. Okay. All right, go ahead. I don't think it's been a great year for James Bradbury. 
by his standards, I don't think it's been a good year for Slay. And these guys, whether they were having a good year or not, they're getting up there in age. This is a team that needs to figure out the future of the cornerback position for themselves. And Burke is an athlete with length and plays very fierce brand of football for a corner that I think kind of restocks that corner room. So I thought about corner here. I think it makes a ton of sense, the arguments that you're making. These guys are getting older. Um, I know they signed contract extensions, but I think a lot of what's going on there could be fluid. There's void years to it. So um, I don't know exactly how long those guys are going to still be there. So corner, I think, is definitely something that they could target. I kind of just ran out of guys that I felt like were first-round corners. You know? like You get there. I think the only one who I didn't get in here was Lassiter, who I think can be a first-round corner. Um, I like Josh Newton. I don't know if he's going to be a first-round corner, though. So it was kind of to that point where do you want to dip into that next tier or do you want to go for a wide receiver, which I still think is back into the first round worthy. So I went with more of the player that I have graded at that spot. This might change, right? I mean, like I I could rewatch more of Kamari. I could be even more impressed with him, which Kamari has been a huge riser on my board because I thought he was okay last year. I thought he's been even better this year. Burke certainly is the same way. People go back to summer scouting. I was not impressed by Burke. 2022 season at all whatsoever he had a bad sophomore year this year it's way better so i could see him now being in that top 50 conversation it makes sense newton um he got burned by travis hunter first game of the season everybody kind of pointed at him for that but he's i think been really solid since so those are the probably the guys who would be next for me i just felt like they were in the next tier compared to the wide receivers that were available for him yeah, another name I, I thought about here was TJ Tampa. You know how much I like him. That um, one, yeah, that one. I am starting to see TJ Tampa's name in mock drafts more and more. People it, it, are it catching has swung on. Ar- it has swung around. People are catching on. This has been a little bit of the TJ Tampa show. Um, I think this is about as high as we've had him. I think I maybe had him go to Baltimore in one mock draft. We did in the you know the end of the 20s. Yeah, so... This is where his name's included, uh, but I talk about him so much that I felt like it was a good time to mention Burke sneaking in here. Burke will be a big tester, so will Tampa. They'll both test really well. They have, right. have great length. They're great athletes. They, they're going to be able to run with NFL-caliber wide receivers. Um, and to be f- clear here, you had them take a Buka at 32. Like I have a Buka ranked much higher than the two corners we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. So I have no problem going best player available, but I, I look at the Eagles' needs, and if they want to, really hone in on those needs corners in play here. I, I have another pick in this mock draft that I thought about you when I made it and I wondered what you thought and you didn't change it because I didn't think that you would change it. Jalen Polk being the wide receiver that I gave the Kansas City Chiefs to 31. How do you feel about it? Dude, I freaked out when I saw this. With I was so happy at just seeing Polk in the first round of a mock draft, his fit with Kansas City. When you watch washington's offense for all of the amazing things they do they're not elite out of structure like when things break down it's a little chaos like they they're so used to playing with Penix's timing and rhythm and accuracy that mm. when a play does break down the receivers are kind of like whoa like like this is a rarity polk's the guy that i think might be the best at it rome for all of rome's gifts and how talented he is polk can really make things happen on a scramble drill mm-hmm. and can't. And I, I love that. You know, this is what you wrote about Polk. He's involved in one of the most impressive deep threat and contested catch players in college football. It's like that vertical element with Mahomes is such a nice fit and something that, you know, they've been trying to figure it out at wide receiver this year. It's a position. They have to add more talent in the room. Rasheed Rice is somebody that could do so much of the underneath stuff and can make things happen after the catch. I like Polk's, fit and think the adjustment for him going from Washington's offense to Andy Reid's with Mahomes mm-hmm. is pretty seamless. Right. I agree, man. This is this one that I had a lot of fun writing down. I figured that you would really like this one. I loved it. And it feels like Kansas City has been trying to find this type of player for a while. Like 
Cornell Powell was a late round pick for them that was kind of a contested catch dude um, during his final season at Clemson. Um, they brought in Justin Ross, obviously, and it was like, okay, like coming back from the injury, is Justin Ross going to be that kind of bigger contested catch type of a player? Because we've had this conversation on the show outside of Travis Kelsey. Sure, there's other like tight ends on the roster, but a lot of the other dudes are just speed dudes and and short, quick hit yards after catch players. You get Jalen Polk in there, all of a sudden you're unlocking the offense because you're telling him to just go deep and you got Mahomes throwing you the football. You know it's going to be within the vicinity and this dude is turning out to be one of the best deep contested catch receivers in college football. So that was one where he was on the board. I was already thinking about Polk as a potential first-round pick, but when I got to the Chiefs, I was like, hmm, this is the dude. This yep. is the dude for Kansas City. So I uh, I liked that one a lot. Um, guys, I want you to know, and then we're supposed to cue the dramatic music at this point, that I have a public service announcement to make. It's not a bird. It's not a plane. It is the most revolutionary ball trimmer that the world has ever seen. Gentlemen, our friends over at Manscaped have been working night and day to bring you a below-the-waist grooming experience like none other with their brand-new lawnmower 5.0 Ultra. Can't sell them short there. We're talking about a next-generation trimmer with interchangeable blade heads for whatever shave you can possibly imagine. AI is pretty cool, no doubt about it. But I think that this might be the biggest technological advancement that the world has ever seen. Upgrade your grooming to the Ultrasphere this year by going to manscaped.com getting 20 percent off and free shipping with the promo code pff high tech for low places with our friends over at manscaped inside this package you will find the star of the show the lawnmower 5.0 ultra it's their fifth generation trimmer which features two interchangeable next-gen skin safe blade heads a standard one for taking a little bit off the top and a new foil blade to go smooth everywhere else your heart desires This bad boy also features dual LED spotlights to provide contrast on multiple skin tones so that you can shed some light on even the darkest places. We're talking three length setting combs for all your desired length as well for your beard. And oh, did I mention the trimmer is waterproof? Because it is. This right here, it's on the cutting edge of cutting pubes. Upgrade your ball trimmer today and your life will absolutely follow. Get 20% off and free shipping using the promo code PFF at manscaped.com. 20% 20% off and free shipping using the promo code PFF at manscaped.com. I promise you guys, you've never seen a ball trimmer look like a spaceship. Well, you can with this one. Get yours today from our friends over at Manscaped. Connor, you got anything else before we get out of here? No, fun exercise. If people like this format of a show, yes. spoiler, I am writing a mock draft for NBC next week. Uh-huh. Oh, how the turntables. You love it when we don't plan the show and then on the show, we plan the show. So even if we don't do it next week, there is always a chance we can do it the following week. Basically, Trevor will get his chance to take a couple picks out of my mock draft that he would do differently. Yeah. So, hey, it's, it's I think that'll be a fun, uh, fun twist for us. Of course, we are going to do mocks that are specific to this show. Mm-hmm. If you missed it, our last episode, we did all our top players at every position. Yeah, that was a good if one. You- that was it was a good one. It was a kind of like a quick way to catch up on draft season. It's like a yes. crash course of yes. where we are at in the draft season. So yep. been a lot of fun. This is where things start to really ramp up where we're it feels like we've been kind of all draft all the time now for about two weeks. And that's yeah. just how it's going to be. Yep, I agree. I agree. Let us know what you guys thought of this format. You know, we're going to be getting into the heart of draft season and we want to present draft information in a way that you love to listen to it and watch it. So let us know while wearing your meat fabric while we're. <laughs> It's, just, it's all here. We're going to give one of these prospects the nickname Meat Fabric, and it's just going to be absolutely. He's going to be like, what do you guys point? call me? Right? We're going to be at the combine and be like, hey, um, you know, so people have been calling you Meat Fabric for a little yeah. bit here. And I uh, just want to know what you think about that. Uh, let us know what you thought of this mock draft. Let me know what you thought of my mock draft, uh, whether it was a team that we talked about that Connor changed or not. Best way to do that, YouTube.com backslash NFL Stock Exchange. Uh, if you are listening on audio only at Tampa Bay Trey at Connor J Rogers, that's the way that you can hit us up on Instagram and X. That's our social handles there. So let us know. Um, sound off in the comment section. Let me know what you thought about this mock draft and uh, whether you want to see us do it next week with Connor's mock. Before then, though, we're going to have something on Monday. It'll be dry. It'll be something centered around the draft. We can't plan the whole week. 
on the show. So we got to give you guys a little bit of suspense. We barely plan the next day of life. People like mystery, intrigue. But you know what? No matter what, uh, it's going to be draft-centric. It's going to be a good time. We hope you guys can join us for it. I'm Trevor Sikuma. That is Connor Rogers. Thank you guys so much for watching and listening to the NFL Stock Exchange podcast. We'll see you on Monday.